Hi, I'm Laura Brady, CEO of Concierge Auctions. And hi, I'm Chad Roffers, Chairman of Concierge Auctions. And this is Block Talk. Welcome to Block Talk, which is a web and podcast series covering all things luxury real estate from the front lines of the industry, both on and off the block. Before we get into today's topic, we wanted to set the foundation and share with you a little bit about us if you aren't very familiar with concierge options. We're founded in 2008. We have 10 plus years, almost 13 years actually, of experience as a solution in the buying and selling of high-end real estate. What we do best is we match sellers of -of one-of-a-kind properties with the most capable buyers on the planet and give those sellers and their representing real estate agents control predictability, and liquidity on their timeline. So we've sold over $2.5 billion in U.S. dollars in sales that have spanned 29 countries and 40 U.S. states. And in doing so, we've invested more than $20 million in our database. And our database now is one of the biggest differentiators And it has now over 600,000 contacts. We have almost 100,000 of those contacts that are subscribed to receive weekly information from us about our upcoming auctions. And we also have 10,000 private client group members, which includes almost 300 documented billionaires. We have been active in the luxury real estate space. We're the largest player as it relates to other companies that are auctioning high-end properties. We represent over 80% of the high-end real estate auctions that are conducted around the world. And we have a fully digital platform. So today, what we want to discuss with you is a little bit about what even more about our company and what this means to those of you who are on the line and how you can be involved with us. And I'd also like to add that, you know, one of the things that we made a conscious choice when we started the business was to make sure that we work in conjunction, not in competition with the brokerage community. So key part of our our reach is the fact that we've got strong agent relationships. We've never conducted an auction. $2.5 plus billion dollars of closed transactions without partnering with a local agent. And the number one reason is we know that we get better results when we're working in coordination and conjunction with the brokerage community. And that's our mission. So very important to point out. Thank you to all of you who are on the line and spending time with us today, or if you're listening to the podcast, because this is going to be available on Spotify and iTunes. But those of you who are live today, I know that we have a number of real estate agents, both that we've worked with and that we will hopefully work with in the future if we haven't worked with you before. And we also have a number of clients and other relationships in the industry. So today, our specific topic is five myths of property auctions. So we are going to be debunking those myths and we're gonna do so in an interactive way that we'll fill you in on in just a second. And then we'll end with an open mic Q&A. Prior episodes that we've done like this, we've had a lot of fun with the open mic. There's been a lot of really great questions. So feel free to submit questions here in the questions tab, or you can email blocktalk 
at concierge and we'll answer as many of those as we can live. Let's start with the benefits of real estate auctions. Obviously, when we started this business, you know, we looked around and recognized that the finest things in the world are often sold via auction, whether it's art, cars, antiquities, and so why not real estate? And that was really you know, the question that we asked ourselves and, and said, this can be done. So let's break down the benefits for buyers, sellers, and agents of real estate auctions. So for buyers, the benefits for those who watch our auctions and follow our our auctions that we have coming up every week is that the buyers know that we have curated this inventory for them. So we have a sales team that has members all over the world that are looking for the finest real estate um, from sellers who understand our platform and are willing to sell their properties to the highest bidder, meaning that is market value. So the buyers know and they can have confidence when they bid in our auctions that they're paying a fair price because the winning bidder is only paying one bid above the next highest bidder. So they know that it's it's market value. We also have a really easy bidding platform. If you haven't experienced it before, you can, on any given day that we have an auction going on, you can log in and watch the bidding that's going on digitally. Actually, it's a benefit now that we've been in this, this COVID crisis and everybody's had to, you know, start running their businesses more digitally that we have had that capability for years. And then the last benefit for buyers is that Our auctions have a simple transaction. The contracts that we use are non-contingent contracts. So it's a very easy, smooth closing. The title is already pre-run ahead of the auction um, and the buyers can review all of the diligence materials ahead of time. So it's a very easy transaction. Fundamentally, you know, the auctions creates urgency. It generates competition. We gather all of the pertinent buyers, pertinent buyers for a given property at any moment in time and, you know, ultimately bring out and identify what the market value of any property is in the world on a given sale date. And so then the benefits for sellers are that they receive an accelerated sale on their timeline. We have a marketing team that continues to receive great awards for the reach that they are able to garner through all of the different marketing avenues that we use, as well as the reach of our database. So I mentioned our database before, and with every auction that we're conducting right now, roughly 30 to 50% of our bidders are coming straight out of our database. So the sellers benefit from that, you know, very rich list of clientele, as well as our dedicated sales team. So Chad, do you want to speak a little bit towards the sales process on for the sellers? Absolutely. So, you know, every time we take on a property, we we talk about it being a Navy SEAL approach to focusing and delivering a result for our sellers. And so in addition to, you know, working with a business development representative and the onboarding of the property, we have a dedicated team, including a person known as the project sales manager that we send out wherever in the world we're selling a property and they're singularly dedicated to the success of that sale for the duration of the marketing period. And then we have also in a central location, a position called the auction director. And he or she's responsible for being, you know, really the, the, the whatever, whenever question or answer resource for all things from the day that a seller signs on with us all the way through a successful closing. And you know, that's really an important thing. 
Also, I think underlying this in terms of seller benefits, and we talk about this, um, another resource that we have for sellers, agents, and buyers, our Luxury Homes Index, which breaks down the real real of what's happening at the upper end of the market and the top 50 plus markets in the, in the US. And one of the things that we know is we all live in a Zillow world today. Days on market is the number one factor that impacts what a property is going to sell for. And what we mean by that, if a property sits on the market too long and, and increasingly too long is 90 plus days, the time that it will actually take to sell can increase to a thousand plus days. And the percentage of asking price oftentimes is somewhere between a 20 and 30% delta from a property that sells quickly. So next slide, we'll talk about agent benefits and I'll give a little teaser. After that, we'll get into the, the myths and there is going to be a little bit of a quiz. So for the agent benefits, really, we see ourselves as a tool for agents to use. We are another you know, tool in your toolbox that you can offer to particular sellers that our process makes sense for. Our process is a 60-day solution from the time that we're hired. We typically market the property with you for four to six weeks. And then we have typically a 30-day closing after that time period. We always protect agent commissions. So we've actually never in the history of our business conducted an auction without a listing agent involved and also a full commission offered on the buyer's side to a buyer's agent. So again, seeing ourselves as real partners in this transaction with the agent community. Side note, Chad and I were in the real estate industry before founding this company. Chad owned a brokerage and I led a sales team. So we know the experience on the front lines and founded the company as a benefit to help enhance the traditional sales method. You know, I would add our average transaction is around five, five and a half million dollars. So, you know, for agents that, you know, even if you can do one incremental transaction a year for us, you know, that's a meaningful um, incremental income. Also, agents have the opportunity to be, become part of our preferred agent group. And that's also an, a great opportunity for referral income, whether it's referring buyers or properties in other parts of the world, and or increasingly, many agents are generating substantial referral fee income by introducing us to a colleague or peer in their given market. And then one I think that I glossed over there is this co-branded marketing and listing exposure. So we definitely work very closely with agents and your brokerage to have a collaborative effort when we're marketing the properties and to make sure that there's exposure for the agent as well as you know our assistance in helping in the marketing. For the top five myths of property auctions, today we're going to do something a little different. So we're going to be introducing an interactive poll with you. And our first poll of the day, true or false, auctions are more complicated than a traditional real estate transaction. The results were 86% said false. They say that auctions are not more complicated than a traditional real estate transaction. 86% <laughs> right for the 14%. Chad, why don't you talk about what makes an auction process be less complicated, less complicated? Sure. Ultimately, when you think about what we're doing, if it takes and, and we know this in and based on our luxury property index, but oftentimes it takes a thousand plus days to sell a luxury property. Right. And, and ultimately what we're doing is doing 
the same thing except accomplishing it in 30 to 60 days. The other thing that's unique about our process, in some respects, I would argue that simpler about traditional real estate is unlike a scenario where normally you market a property, then a buyer makes an offer, offer gets negotiated and accepted, then typically there's an inspection period, potentially you know an appraisal period, other contingencies that need to be met in order for a closing to take place. In our process, one of the things that we do early on is prepare all the diligence materials in advance. So a buyer can go to a data room and see full disclosure on a property, including things like surveys, title reports, property inspections, et cetera. If a buyer wants to do additional diligence, they can do so prior to the auction. But then ultimately, when the auction is closed and we identify a, a, a buyer, the transaction effectively is complete. A buyer tenders an additional deposit of 10% of the purchase price, and then the closing will take place in a predetermined time frame. So there's actually no back and forth, no um, haggling over inspections, etc. Let's get into the next question. True, True. or false? <laughs> Auctions are for distressed properties. All right, false, this is the- 90% say that they're not only for distressed properties. That's another, um, the group got it right. One thing that's interesting about this is when we started the business in 2008, I would say that if you had an hour conversation with a potential seller, 90% of the conversation or the, the opinion was the inverse of what the answer was just now. And I think some of that stems from just historically, years ago, you know, auctions oftentimes were reserved for distressed properties. And once again, based on the you know mission and opportunity we saw in establishing the business, you know why not real estate, art, cars, et cetera, sold at auction? And and certainly, I think we've proven that out over the last ten plus years. And I think it's really a combination of just the volume of transactions, but also the profile of the sellers who we've sold for. As Laura mentioned, you know we have over two hundred and seventy-five billionaires that we communicate with on a monthly or weekly basis. And we've transacted, I think, with 87 or 88 of them. So once we were able to kind of prove that, it really done a lot to change the perception around that question. Another snippet that kind of reiterates that, Chad, here is that our typical client is not in a precarious financial state, but rather is choosing to auction as a smart decision. So that certainly is something that has rang true for the past five, 10 years as we've been in a very healthy real estate market. We do foresee on the other side of, you know, COVID starting to lift up and people starting to transact more that we are going to be able to help also sellers that are in complicated situations. We did a lot of this in 08, 9 and 10 sellers that needed assistance with working, you know, with their lender or, you know, liens that they have on the property, what have you. Um, We haven't dealt with many sellers like that in the past five or seven years, but we are geared up and knowledgeable about those kind of complicated transactions and ready to be doing more of those, you know, as the market's going to be a little more uncertain in the coming year. And also we're very selective about the properties that we take on. So one of the things that our database knows us for is really the best properties and the best locations. And so we pre-screen about 20 properties for every one that we take. You know, we really say when we look at a property, is this something that you know, our database, our audience, that invaluable database 
You know, is this something that they're going to be excited about and recognize as a high quality asset that's worthy of their, their time and energy? Let's go on to myth number three. Auctions do not bring the highest price. Is that true or false? Okay, results are in. Drum roll, please. False, 74% say that they do bring the highest price. 26% say that they do not bring the highest price. This is definitely, yeah. definitely a hot topic, of course, with sellers and agents who want to receive the best value that they can as a result of their sale, whether auction or otherwise. This is a good time, Chad, to talk about our days on market research. Sure. And I alluded to this at the, at the beginning of the broadcast today, talking about you know, this backdrop of we live in a Zillow world. And what we mean by that is, you know, effectively, the history of almost every property in the country is essentially public information on Zillow in terms of when was it sold last? Has it been on the market? How long has it been on the market, et cetera? And so what we've discovered, and in, in this is we've looked at this over the last four years in the top this year, I think it's 65 markets. We've been adding markets year over year, but looking at the top 10 transactions, the highest transactions in a given market, and looking at what the true days on market were and the percentage of original list price. And it's pretty consistent across all of these markets. Properties either going to sell within certainly 180 days, probably even closer to 90 days for 90 plus percent of list price, or it falls into that oftentimes 1,000 plus days and 70 plus percent of list price. And it's, it's very telling. So I think that's important. One of the other things that certainly when you get into the upper strata of properties, oftentimes there are no comparables. And oftentimes a seller may have constructed a property without any thought of resale. We sold a property in Florida last year. It was the highest sale ever in Broward County for a residential property. So ever is a long time, 55 plus million dollar transaction. You know, at one point that property was listed for $149 million. So, you know, ultimately as a percentage of a list price, you know, we achieved a low percentage of value. However, the counterpoint to that is it's the highest sale ever in the history of the county. And quite frankly, it's probably one of our most satisfied sellers who's a consistent, excellent reference for us, who feels like we extracted the very best price for that property. So I think once again, we talk about our process taking usually from the day we launch marketing to having the property under contract is at a maximum five to six weeks. Oftentimes, that reality of where the market is at any given time happening that fast, whether it's high, low, in between versus kind of playing out over a thousand days tends to get people's attention. So that's something, of course, we're comfortable in our skin about. But I think that, you know, it's important to point out also that in the history of the firm and 10 plus years of transactions, most of the properties that we've sold have not been re-offered for sale. And if they have been, many have not sold for the price we obtained at auction. So I think we truly do get market value for properties. Yeah, it's also one, one thing we pay attention to is when you go a period of time after the auction occurs and look back on the sales, how the sale that we created compares to other sales that happened after that, because a challenge in the market that we work in, where we're at the 
tippy top, you know, the highest end of prices in a market and working with properties that are very difficult to value. We often are selling a property in a neighborhood where there has not been a sale for a long period of time. Or, you know, as Chad mentioned, setting high marks in markets where there hasn't ever been anything that's sold higher, at least hasn't been in years, you know, anything that's sold higher. And so while sometimes optically versus the list price that the property was listed for, like that one in Florida that was listed over $100 million and sold in the 50s. The the list versus sale is hard to really say, is that you know a realistic um, benchmark to be working from with properties that are in, especially in the upper tier, and it's just difficult to place a list price on them, much less figure out what they're worth. And we also, you know, certainly track when you look at the properties that do not sell quickly, selling, you know, what they ultimately sell for. And we measure certainly the results we get. We're typically within five percentage points, plus or minus of what happens in the market. And so when you think about the time value of money for a seller, uh, a thousand days is an expensive thing in both real real terms in terms of the actual cost of $50 million sitting somewhere for five years or a thousand days, you know, versus 60 days. Also, you know, we know our clientele, our people that, you know, in most aspects of their life have a ton of control, right? They have private planes or they certainly belong to NetJets. Um, they have sophisticated stock in family office, you know, advisors that, you know, ultimately can get them results. If they want to buy or sell a company, they can run a process and get a result on a predetermined time frame. And so they really expect the same thing for real estate. And, you know, that's what we're delivering. The property we mentioned in Florida, Hillsborough Beach, this property, Playa Vista Isle, it had been on the market for years and years through all of its construction. It took over eight years, I think it was, to build. And initially the the seller had built it for himself. And then by the time that, you know, the home got built, his needs had changed. And of course, in years um, of building a lot had changed in his life and just decided to sell it from initially the, the day after it received its CO was really close to our auction date. So it had never been lived in before. And sold to a buyer from our database who yeah. had purchased other properties from us in the past. Actually, the opposite end of the globe in many respects. I mean, they purchased from us in Hawaii prior to um, this. And so just a good example also of, you know, we live in a certainly a global world and our clientele have a global purview. And certainly it's not unusual for us to see buyers who, you know, emerged in one part of the world end up buying something somewhere else or something extra in addition to what they've already purchased. Yeah. So this one, when it sold, it was the highest price property ever sold at auction. You know, we broke our own record and then we had another property that we sold in, in Geneva, Switzerland, yeah. another high highest property ever sold um, at auction also. And then this next one in Dallas, Chad, you knew this property well. Absolutely. Um, another billionaire client was our seller and property uh, is the highest, to the best of our knowledge, the highest sale residential resale ever in that market, certainly documented. Certainly, I'm sure there are plenty of people who have, have spent in excess of $100 million constructing a home in greater Dallas-Fort Worth. But in terms of when it comes to a resale, this is the this is the record. We had a very competitive auction, by the way, for this property. And ultimately, it uh, sold to 
a first-time buyer in that instance who's now gone on to purchase other properties from us in, in other locations multiple times. Let's get to another poll question. Auctions cut the agents out of the sales process. This one's too right. easy. We'll see how well people were paying attention. Maybe we should rephrase this. Concierge auctions cuts agents out of the sales process. True or false? Okay. Survey says 96% false. 4% true. All right. Is, interesting. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, and I could understand the 4%. I mean, historically, when we started this business, actually the norm in the auction arena was for the property to have a listing expire and then an auction company would come in at the and, and conduct the sale without working in conjunction with a listing agent. And we made a strategic choice when we founded the firm and said, that's a never for us. We're not going to do it. And there's a number of reasons why the, once again, from a high level, we get better prices when we work in conjunction with the brokerage community rather than in lieu of. And also, you know, Laura and I having spent a long, you know, a number of years in the trenches, we have a lot of respect for what it takes to be, you know, a top producing agent. And we want to, you know, have great relationships with those, those agents. And to the best of my knowledge, in terms of the top tier, in terms of mar uh, volume, we're certainly the largest luxury auction firm, but there's certainly other players out there. And I think we're the only firm that can back it up to say that we've never done a transaction without you know, partnering with a local listing agent. So um, it's something we believe strongly in, we're proud of, and we think that the agent community benefits and most importantly, our sellers do. We have an advisory board that's comprised of agents and brokers from all over the world and agents that we've done a lot of business with through time and have earned a lot of commissions through both their own listings and referrals. So we're excited and, and really enjoy our agent relationships. We have one more question, true or false, buyers have to pay cash Ooh. in an auction. True, 38% said true and 63% said false. It's kind of a trick question, I would say. Let's talk about that. So one of the things that's important and probably the number one value proposition, I think for all the stakeholders in our process, whether it's buyers, sellers, or agents is, once there's a, a winning bidder identified, there's there's no haggling. The contracts have been reviewed and established prior to the commencement of the auction. And so it's a clean, you know, efficient deal. In fact, many of our transactions close in days or weeks rather than 30 days. Um, so it's important. And, and financing is not typically very rarely a condition uh, or a contingency that would be allowed. In fact, it's almost never. However, a number we, we work with a number of you know high-profile lending institutions, Steeple Bank and Trust, Deutsche Bank, that have expertise in working with high net worth individuals and 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 can fast track a loan if somebody wants to close with a loan and or cash. So it's not a contingency of the deal, but there are times where a buyer just makes sense especially with rates where they are for, you know, our affluent buyers to obtain mortgage financing. So in short, the contract does not allow for any kind of extension or out if financing isn't put in place. Um, it is a cash contract, but buyers who know that they still have to close by the closing date, but they choose to put some sort of financing in place, they can certainly do that. We actually just closed a property last week 
where a buyer wasn't planning to get financing, but now that the rates are so good, they you know, talked to their lender and they were able to get financing in place in a matter of days and use that instead of um, their cash to close. So that certainly is the prerogative of a buyer if they want to do that, knowing that they're not protected if it doesn't come through for whatever reason. One of the things also that we were really kind of ahead of the curve in terms of the industry on was our buyer bidder vet- vetting process. Laura mentioned earlier on, first of all, we, we run the almost all of our auctions through our electronic platform which is incredibly transparent. Every bid's tracked and displayed real time to all the other bidders. So that's you know first and foremost. But also it's an important to know that unless somebody is a you know a client in good standing who's purchased other real estate through our platform, if especially if it's a first time bidder, we require them to wire in a deposit to third party escrow, work with Fidelity. It's typically a hundred thousand, sometimes it's two fifty or half a million for some of the fifty or hundred million dollar properties that we sell. That's number one. We don't allow people to show up with personal checks or cashier's checks. If somebody's serious about bidding on a property, it's not an inconvenience to to wire a hundred thousand dollars. We think it just weeds out people who aren't for real. Um, the second thing is provide proof of funds from a credible or accredited financial institution. And then the third thing is to sign our bidder terms and conditions, which just lay out the rules of the road about the process that if somebody is a winning bidder, what's going to be expected of him or her. Okay. So those were the myths. Everyone did a really good job. Maybe you learned from our precursor, or maybe we've worked with you before, but we wanted to open it up to Q&A after this. We'd love to hear from whomever is on the line and see what questions that we can talk about for the rest of our time here. From Phil, he says, what percent of your successful buyers are investors as opposed to end users? Actually, a, a relatively low percentage. So one of the things, if I were to talk about, you know, once again, our database is an incredible asset. We spent, you know, certainly in excess of $20 million in building that. And even if you wanted to build it and you had $20 million lying around, you know, it's hard to do. We've done it one property at a time, you know, over a decade with a significant investment in technology on the upfront to make sure we were able to manage those relationships. Given that the average property we sell is a luxury property, either a second home or a primary residence, they're not the types of properties that typically lend themselves to be investor type properties where they're flips or fixer uppers or things like that. And so what has happened is our database is predominantly made up of, I would say, three common denominators. One, people who like real estate just as an asset class. You know, it's the kind of person that you get off the plane in Aspen and you're at the coffee shop and you grab the local real estate magazine and you start looking at real estate ads because What's, what are things trading for and what's going on in the market? So one, they like real estate as an asset class. Two, they are high net worth or ultra high net worth people. And three is they probably got to being in that place in life because they can take advantage of an opportunity, when they, a good opportunity is when they see one. That's what our database is com- comprised of. And the vast majority of buyers that come to the table or people fall in that category. Occasionally, we're asked to take on a property that is or does make sense from an investment perspective. We just sold a property that had uh, in the Hamptons that really had kind of a a bed and breakfast component to it. And so that was something that could be used as a single family residence or as an investment property. So we do have crossover properties like that. 
And a lot of times um, it's interesting where we'll find buyers who come in on, on things like that, then ultimately down the line, also buy a true, you know, second or third home from us. You know, we, we certainly do not exclude anybody from the bidding process. You know, ultimately, if an investor is going to pay market value for something, we're happy to have their participation. Can you explain the difference between an absolute or non-minimum that you'll sell the property no matter what? And then also, what if the high bid is not something that's acceptable to the client? There are lots of auction formats. I cut my teeth early in my career in Silicon Valley in the technology space, was around eBay when it was the early days and other startups. And so there, there are lots of different ways to auction things. But when it comes to real estate, there's really two ways that are effective. One is to sell a property with reserve. If you're going to use a reserve, for the most part, we believe and have proven this, you need to use what's called a published reserve, where it's transparent to all stakeholders that the property is listed for $30 million, the reserve's $18 million, and the property is going to sell at or above that number. That can work. It's a material percentage of our volume, our reserve sales. They can be very effective. Alternatively, there's the without reserve process. It certainly is the more potent of the two from the standpoint of really activating the market and generating a pool of global interest for a property. It works very well for rare air, one-of-a-kind properties where there aren't, aren't any comps and where what's it worth? Well, it's really what a group of people are willing to pay for it. In that case, even with a without reserve auction, we certainly have safeguards in place to protect our sellers from selling at a price less than they're prepared to sell for. One of the other things that we're, we've really led the industry, and I think we're the only firm that does this, prior to without reserve auction moving forward, in terms of the bidding actually commencing, a bit our sellers sign off on what's called an auction acknowledgement, where it provides them with a list at that time of the registered bidders opening bids that we have without getting into too much minutiae. We have an opening bid process that incentivizes bidders prior to the start of a without reserve auction to tender opening bids. Those opening bids are binding and irrevocable. And so what that means is in a without reserve auction, the seller is going into it knowing at a minimum what the highest opening bid is. They have to be okay knowing that while we expect and typically see bidding and competitive bidding from there, that you know, there's a chance that it could sell for the highest opening bid. So that's important to note. With reserve auctions, um, once again, they, they can be very effective. I would say this is a myth. Maybe we'll add it to the next presentation. But a lot of times sellers think, well, a reserve should be the lowest number I'm willing to take. And technically that's true. But in reality, what a reserve needs to be is a number that a qualified, informed buyer can't say, well, call me if it doesn't sell. It needs to be a number that somebody says, you know what, I'm interested. That property is for sure selling at that number. I want to compete for this property. So, you know, one of the exercises that we do when we think a reserve approach is the right approach for a given property is really work in conjunction with the the top brokers in a local market and really try to understand where's that threshold of when something is very compelling versus borderline. Because if it's borderline, you're not going to generate interest and a reserve really is a ceiling, not a floor. Okay, so another question. We're getting a lot of really good questions. 
Hi, Todd. He says, you mentioned that you look at 20 properties for every one you take. What are the true determining factors for concierge to walk away from a listing, especially given the fact that if a seller does not sell, you still earn a fee? Okay, so I'll touch on some of those things. So as far as us determining whether we're going to accept a property or not, so we have a sales team that analyzes every inquiry that comes in. So it first starts off you know, with figuring out what is the address of the property and let's have a, con a conversation with the seller and their representing agent. We have an internal process for grading the opportunities that come our way. So we are looking at, at the highest level, these are the main determining factors. Number one, is it a property that fits our brand and our clientele? So our buyers that are in our database are looking for high-end properties. We've carved out this niche that we are presenting, you know, fine properties from all over the world. So is the property itself highly, you know, desirable and uh, photogenic and, you know, these things that will speak well towards our clientele. And then the second is the location of the property. And when we think about location, we talk about two elements of location. Number one is in a desirable area such as one example we use often is the aspen snowmass market you know that is known as being a, a very desirable mountain market but within an aspen snowmass is the property in aspen proper or is it in basalt or somewhere that is you know the greater aspen areas on red mountain which is one of the most desirable streets in aspen so we're considering not just the market itself but the location within the market those are both determining factors and then others are we're talking about the seller the seller's goals, what they're wanting to accomplish through the auction process. Chad just said yesterday in another discussion like this that, you know, smart sellers are great clients for ours and what we, for us, and what we mean by that is the clients that can understand when we describe, you know, facts and figures to them about the market and can make a smart decision as to whether auction's right or wrong for them. So we want open-minded clients that can listen to the landscape and if it's not the right route for them after they've seen the facts and figures, then that's totally fine. Not, not every seller is the right kind of seller for us. We're looking for sellers that understand the description that we've given them about what we're going to accomplish for them in our marketing of the property and that they are going to have to make a decision whether to sell to the highest bidder or not. And then another determining factor is the real estate agent. The agent is going to be our partner. If the property is listed already, you know, who is that agent? Are they open to working with us? Um, we have a role for them to play in the process. And are they going to, to be our partner in that? Agent partner is a huge part of our execution. The more the agent can be involved and, you know, rally the market around the, the sale and, you know, the, all of the information about it, the better. And then if we've worked with the, the agent before also, or if they can become not knowledgeable from an agent that we have worked with before. Our process is, is potent and it's timely. And so as a result of that, there's not a lot of room for secrets and or we can't afford to play the game of telling a seller what they want to hear and then work their expectations down over six months or a year. Like six weeks comes and goes quickly. Our sellers are savvy people. They do not forget what we tell them. And so we have to be very realistic about expectation setting. To a certain extent, and my team sometimes gets uh, kind of rolls their 
will will give me a puzzled look because sometimes I'm very candid with our sellers and say oftentimes, you know, rarely have I heard a seller say, gosh, I was hoping for less, right? Like that's just not the nature of, of the beast. However, one of the things that I say to our clients all the time is the right client for us is whether we get 50 million or $60 million for their property, right? If we get 60 or we get 50, their life the next day is no different than it was the day before. I mean, that's really the sweet spot of who our clientele are. They're people, of course, 60 is better than 50, right? I understand that. And we appreciate how hard it is to work to obtain that. But, you know, that certainty and speed is really important and valuable. I was on the phone today with a high net worth client who is moving from a high tax state to a low tax state and is going to be buying a property in Florida, a multi-million dollar property that in about 18 months, the tax savings for that they're going to save out of just the state income taxes that they're, they're moving from will pay for the property. Right. So that's an example of kind of the strata of people that we work for and work with and where, once again, that time value of money is a really important thing. And so if we can help them accomplish their goals faster, the faster they're on to doing what they want to do next. We have a couple international questions. Um, first off, how many properties do we sell in the U.S. versus internationally? And at this point, we are. We're definitely starting to do more properties out of the, the U.S. Um, we probably have about 60% of our properties in the U.S. and 40% in other countries. We do a lot of business in Canada and Mexico, as well as all over Europe. Um, Caribbean markets are really big for us. Um, Thailand's been, been big for us lately as well. We have a question about specifically, are there plans to have local language contracts the problem I was facing with sellers, this is from someone in Barcelona, was the fact that our contract was in English. Right. And I, I know we have worked with a number of different contracts to have them translated. So I'm not sure about that one in particular. Certainly in most of the European markets that we do business in, Italy, Spain, France, in some of those countries actually a requirement that there's you know the, the local translation, even in Canada and Quebec for example, definitely email us. I want to make sure we know what property you were involved with and, and I want to understand if for whatever reason we didn't do one there, why. In Asia, we, for the most part, you know, certainly English is fully, you know, kind of recognized and perfectly fine contract medium. So one of the things that we've invested heavily in over the last three to four years is um, our Asian presence. As Laura mentioned, we just had multiple successful auctions in Thailand. Actually, the country was on total lockdown and we had, I think we sold and closed like four properties in a period of about 60 days in that country and buyers from all over the world, Russia, France, the US, Asia. One of the things that for the most part that we see, especially with Chinese buyers, they're perfectly fine with English as the contract. I want to mention that next up on Block Talk, every Wednesday in May, we're going to be having an auction education course, which includes preferred agent certification. So if you're a real estate agent or you know a real estate agent, <laughs> um, tune in and you will end that session with information about how you can go out and get referrals fees through us, not only for your own listings, but by sending other agents and their listings our way. And you will also be 
placed into our preferred agent program, which includes a number of different benefits and we'll get to know you better personally. So every Wednesday in May, if you go to blocktalknow.com, which may be where you registered for this session, you can register for any of those courses. So we look forward to having you there. Two more questions and then we will do the others. We'll reach out to you personally. Well, this actually worked well last 50 week. questions. So um, thank you for those, by the way. That's awesome. From Arnold. How does a buyer know that they're not bidding against a straw buyer? Go ahead, Chad. As I mentioned earlier, there's a couple of kind of rules of the road in the office. There's lots of rules, of course, and we buy by them. We take compliance very seriously. But, you know, fundamentally, golden rule for us in a without reserve auction, right? When the bidding opens up, wherever the property lands, it lands and we're going to have a winning bidder. We're going to expect the buyer and seller to perform. So it's just an important thing. It's, it's about the integrity of the process. As I mentioned, the vast majority, 90 plus percent of our auctions are conducted electronically and registered bidders can see by paddle number and bid amounts, you know, the bids. And so those are tracked, right? Real time and, and transparent. So we don't display somebody's name because a lot, especially our billionaire clientele, they don't want their names just thrown around. Um, but every bid is is tracked and posted. And the other thing is, in a live auction, it's harder to control that, quite frankly. And so that's another reason why we think the electronic bidding press process is better. It's more transparent. It's fully you know auditable. That's just the way that it works and something that we feel very strongly about. So hopefully, Arnold, that answers your question. But feel free to reach out if you'd like any additional information. I think a lot of times too, especially in, you know, we've increasingly seen properties coming to us straight to market, meaning they're coming on the platform with us prior to being listed, you know, traditionally. A lot of those are past sellers who really enjoyed our process and, and liked the speed and control that it gave them. But on the buyer side, I think it's also a real benefit because I'm sure, you know, especially like I hear it all the time in New York or in San Francisco where somebody was in a multiple offer situation and they lost out. A lot of times you know, people have hard feelings because they don't know why. And so another example where our process is totally transparent and it plays out over 70, 72 hours typically. And while most of the bidding activity activity happens toward the end, you know, there's plenty of time for people to make a decision about whether or not they want to place a bid, et cetera. I'm going to close out with a timely question about the current COVID situation and what we're experiencing with the business right now. So Dennis says, we stated that our pre-COVID average of showings was 25 to 30 showings per property and five to seven bidders. And what have our averages been for March and April? So, you know, it's interesting. We certainly have had amazing traffic to our website and our phone lines. I know most companies are experiencing that right now as everyone just like on this call is consuming as much information as they can and being online as much as they can, which has rendered actually higher prospect lists than we have had in the past for properties that we have coming up for auction. Now, the next rung of that is qualifying those clients and figuring out how to educate them as much for them to feel comfortable about the properties. Every market where we're doing business has different showing restrictions. We sold a property on Singer Island in Florida where we actually, was it that one or Aventura? Where Aventura. Ultimately, Aventura. In Aventura. Ultimately, we couldn't get people into the condominium. It was closed down. So we're doing a lot of virtual showings with 
buyers, you know, being able to walk through with our salesperson or with the listing agent and ask questions and see the property. And that has, it's worked out well. We've always had an element of our buyers that have purchased without setting foot in the property site unseen. We always had a percentage of that, but now of course we have that more than ever and buyers needing to rely on their real estate agents that are in the market or someone from our team to, you know, explain the property to them for them to feel confident moving forward. Ultimately, the second part of that question, the bidder count, our bidder counts have been up versus what they are, they have been historically. Um, so there are definitely buyers that are out there that are wanting to buy. Many of the properties we've been selling recently are in well-known locations. We have had properties from Malibu to you know the Hamptons to San Francisco and also some condominiums that are fairly easy to value because you know you can compare them to other units that are in the same building. So with that said, we've been achieving good prices and have, you know, luckily had a really, you know, good cycle. Other thing is we're teeing up a lot of properties for May and June. Our lineup is stronger than it has been in quite a while as far as how many sellers are wanting to hire us to sell in the next few months. In general, I mean, we are doing the best that we can to get people as much information and confidence to bid and and it's been working. Thanks everybody very much for your participation, your engagement. And we'll make sure that we get follow-up items to anybody who submitted a question that we didn't have time to answer. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. You can always visit conciergeoptions.com to find more out about our process and register to be a subscriber for our emails. So stay well and stay safe and we'll see you next week.